we are actually going to be in the book of Mark today. It's going to be a unique um, sermon in our Dirt Roads series. Um, we spoke last week on um, serving the greatest of all time. And we, um, there's, a, there's a, a somewhat of a parallel passage in Mark chapter 10 about serving. And that is going to be a part of today's sermon. Um, however, when I get to that portion in our sequential order, we'll probably skip over it just because we dealt with it last week and we'll be dealing with it some this week. But I'm not taking the next chapter and the next verse today. I want to speak today simply on the subject of first response. First response. First response. When you hear that baby cry, What's your first response? Moms, we know what your first response is. You rush to the baby. You could hear that baby when no, it's like a dog whistle. You know what I mean? You can hear it when no one else can hear it. And you are in tune to that cry, especially with your first child. We were. With our second child, it's like, what's going on again? I'm, I'm not really sure. I can't hear. Uh, but, uh, but especially with that first child, you remember the first, when you bring that baby home, from the hospital on that first night, that baby sleeping in your house, and you're like, I am responsible for this human. And don't lie, you've done the whole, are they breathing? Like, you wake up in the middle of the night, they're not making any noise, and you're like, putting your like, finger by their nose, just to make sure they're still here. And you hear that cry, mothers, that first response, dads, let's be honest. It's like 50-50. Your first response is like, let me go help. And then the other half of the time is like, I think she hears this. Hopefully she hears this. And let me just, I'm going to back away quietly into my man cave and watch some football. Um, But we all have a first response. We all have something that triggers inside of us that when we see whatever the scenario is, that's how we naturally respond. For some of you, it could be as you're driving home and you see someone on the side of the road, maybe that's broke down or is having an issue. Maybe your first response is, I want to pull over and I would like, I want to help them in any way that I possibly can. It doesn't matter what time of day. It doesn't matter what neighborhood that I'm in. I'm going to pull over and help if I feel like someone is on the side of the road. Others of you, your first response might be, hold on just a second. I'm really nervous and I'm scared about interacting with people when I don't know the situation. And so we all have different, those are kind of built into our makeup and our personality, right? No, neither one of those things are right or wrong, but that's just the way that we, I would say that my wife and I would differ, and I won't tell you who is, which one is which, but if we were to pass someone in need on the side of the road, one of us is going to be more apprehensive than the other one. It's just our natural responses. It's just the way that we are wired. And in every situation, in every scenario of our lives, our natural responses are going to be a little bit different. Today I want to talk about the importance of the first response and I want to use the greatest example that we could use for anything. The greatest person that we could look at for any situation, for anything that teaches us something and that is the person of Jesus. Obviously in our, we're in the 29th week of the book of Mark and you guys are still coming to church and that's awesome. Uh, We're in the 29th week of the book of Mark. We have, we have talked about Jesus quite a bit. 
I'm sorry, we are a church. So we have talked about Jesus quite a bit. But this morning, I want us to see through his life, his first response. If you want to open up your Bibles, we will first be in Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 is where we will first be. We're going to bounce around throughout the book. We're going to go back to some of the things that we've already discussed many weeks ago now. And speak of the first response of Jesus. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. Holy Spirit, use and guide and direct our thoughts and our minds today so that we can be better used by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus sees a need. Jesus sees a problem. Jesus has presented a situation, oftentimes an impossible one. In our minds. And how does he respond? What is the first response of Jesus? I want us to see, first of all, this morning, he is moved with compassion. He is moved with compassion. And as you listen to today's sermon, I'm not going to take the time to do this each time, but I want us to also think in the back of our heads how this also relates to our local first responders. There's an element of compassion that must exist, and I know over the years, sometimes that may get more and more difficult, but there's a level of compassion that got people into what they're doing or that that allow people to be effective in what they do. And so in the back of your head, think about this, this in the context of the local police or EMT or fire department, but uh, in the front of our heads, let's look at what, Jesus did. Mark chapter 1, look at verse 40. Look at verse 40 if you have it. There in your Bible is great. If not, it's on the screen for you. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. This leper came. Then Jesus, look at this phrase, moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. He was moved with compassion. He saw this man, this outcast of a man, and we don't have the time this morning to speak of all what leprosy meant. If you want to think of leprosy in our Common vernacular, think of COVID-19 times a whole lot. Think of it being uh, terminal. Think of it being you will never get over it. Think of losing limbs, an outcast of society, leprosy, a, a type of sin even in the Bible. And Jesus was moved with compassion. He felt an emotion inside of him for this leprous person. He felt there was a sense of care and a sense of of love that he felt and compassion that he felt for this leper. He was moved with compassion. I don't know how Jesus, uh, I don't know how the, the deity of Christ and his humanity in these moments 
uh, come together, but they do, and they come together beautifully and perfectly. I don't know the, maybe the pain that Jesus felt of this man that had leprosy. I don't know the knot maybe that formed in his stomach. I don't know what Jesus felt, but he felt compassion. He felt compassion. His first response when presented with an outcast, with a leper, with a man whose body, who knows if his body, if there has already been parts of his extremities that that have been removed. That's what leprosy did. A skin disease that literally, I'm sorry to gross you out in here, lunchtime's coming, Uh, but a a skin disease that would literally develop on your skin and, and and you would almost wipe it off disgusting sorry and then it would regrow on your skin and Jesus' first response is not six feet no his first response was compassion compassion we'll talk about what that leads to we're not there yet But he was moved emotionally with compassion. Turn to Mark chapter 6. We're staying in the book of Mark for right now. Turn a couple of pages up to chapter 6 if you you still turn pages in your Bible. If not, follow along on the screen. Mark chapter 6. Look at verse 33. Not quite as intense of a situation here. Okay? As As a leprous person. But Mark 6, 33. The multitudes... Uh, saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran there on foot from all the cities. They were following Jesus. The multitudes were following him. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. Why? Because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to shepherd them. He began to teach them many things. And now, along with his teaching, he also fed them. 5,000 men and women, and ch- plus women and children, with a, a miracle lunch. A little sack lunch from, you know, some fish joint down the street. Five loaves of bread and two fishes. But Jesus sees these people. So, this is what I love. And I want us to grasp this this morning. We see in the first illustration that Jesus was moved with compassion for the individual person. Keith. Keith Clark. Moved with compassion for him, his specific need. And the second one we see is, man, there's a multitude of people. We can't even count them. We counted the men. There's 5,000. There could possibly be eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people here. And Jesus is moved with compassion for the multitude. That is Jesus, that is the, uh, the, the nature of Christ that he cared specifically for the individual person and he also cared for the common good of the greater whole of everyone. And we see his compassion on display. He took time to look around. Notice when Jesus came out, he, he saw the multitude. He lifted up his eyes. He was aware. He sees. He was always looking. In fact, one of the greatest realities perhaps about Jesus is that he sees us. 
And we made this point when we were in this text that he noticed. He noticed the individual. He noticed the multitudes. Listen, Jesus was in this context was trying to get away for rest. And I'm not sure about you, if I'm trying to go take a nap and I turn the corner and there's 5,000 men and went plus women and children waiting to hear me, I'm not sure that I will be moved with compassion. I am not sure. I, I think that I would be like, oh, I don't, I don't see those people. I got to head right over here to my rest, to my resting place. I don't see them. Do not look to your right. Just keep walking straight to your bed. Just keep walking up that mountain. Don't look. But Jesus sees. He's aware. He's always looking. He's always seeing. And I feel like we often at times do not show compassion for one another, for our fellow man, because we are not willing to really look. The homeless person on the side of the road, we're not willing to just look. Anybody else guilty? You don't have any cash. You don't have anything to give them. Anybody else guilty of this? If they're on this side, I'm going to look that way during this stoplight. Be real. Don't lie in church. I love that. You can lie after church. I'm just kidding. Don't. That's not true. You act like it's like, oh, you can't lie inside the building, but once you get outside on the grass, it's cool. Um, how many of you have pulled up and you have, there's someone begging money and you don't have anything to give them or the Holy Spirit is... Not giving you the freedom to do something at that moment and wisdom, maybe. And what do you do? If you do like me, if the person's right here, I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking the other way. If he happens to come around and start walking down the middle, I'm like, I'm moving back this way. Why? Why is that? You know why that is? Because this morning, when I look at someone, and God forbid I catch their eye, you know what forms inside of us if we have any kind of a soul? Compassion. Compassion. I think oftentimes we don't have compassion for the needy. We don't have compassion for the lost. We don't have compassion for those around us who could use a good dose of Jesus and his love and his grace this morning. We don't have compassion for them because we, we're too busy in our lives and we're focused on the next big thing and we're focused on our four and no more or we're focused on what we have to accomplish today. Man, if every now and then we just stop and look at the multitude, I think we may have that same first response. I think it's a natural response inside of us. He then didn't just look around, but he sympathized with them. He empathized them. And may I say this, the, the difference, obviously you understand the difference between sympathy is, is, is uh, for someone going through something that maybe you've not experienced before. Empathy is I've been there and I've experienced that and I feel it. By the way, Jesus is the only one who can legitimately say, I empathize with any and everything that you've gone through. Scripture teaches us that he, there's nothing that we will face that Jesus has not already faced. There's no temptation that we will come across that he has not already been tempted with this morning. And so Jesus is not only uh, responds with sympathy, but he responds with empathy and he was moved with compassion on this multitude. He felt emotionally attached to these people. He compared them to sheep not having a shepherd. And what? remember Psalm 23, help me quote it. The Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus with sympathy in his heart 
serves and blesses the multitude. The multitude. Not only was Jesus' first response, number one, he was moved with compassion. That was his first response. But his second response, okay, compassion builds in, in, in some of these situations. But his, his first response, 1A, was that he was moved to action. He was moved to action. Let's go back to Mark chapter 1. We're going to flip back there, um, back in the same story of the leprous man. Mark chapter 1 and verse 40, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion. What did he do? He stretched out his hand and he touched him. He stretched out his hand and he touched him. He was moved to action. You see, Jesus was not the man in the Good Samaritan story that came, saw the situation, and passed by on the other side. No, Jesus, this leprous man with this, with this disgusting disease, with this disease that would cause people to be banished from society for the rest of their lives, no, Jesus reached out and he physically touched him. There's something about that. It was an action, yes. But man, deeper into the story, and, and this is not really the point this morning, but just to think about what Jesus was saying in that moment. He was humbling himself. He was declaring his power over leprosy. Jesus is saying, listen, I am, I'm God. In fact, I'm so God that I'm going to touch the man that has leprosy. The highly contagious disease that if you or I were to touch someone with it, we would have leprosy and we would be banished from society for the rest of our lives. There's a lot that goes into him just reaching out his hand and touching him. But he was moved to action. And may I say this, the immediate response of compassion is action. This morning, Jesus was not simply a feeler. He was a doer. And by the way, if all you have is compassion conceptually in your head and you've never put feet or hands to your compassion this morning, then I want to I urge you today to put some feet, to put some hands, to put some action to your compassion because you are truly only compassionate about those things that you will do something about. Oh, I'm just, man, I tell you what, I have so much compassion for the the orphan kids in third world country. Oh, do you? Here's an awesome opportunity. Here's a great company, uh, a great organization that, that serves orphans. And I tell you what, you could become a monthly partner. You could help on the state side. You could volunteer here and there. Or you could give every month and it could go straight to the orphanage. And they could, oh, well, I mean, I mean, I'll pray for them. I'll cop out pray for them. Right? We're only truly compassionate about those things that move us to taking action on. And Jesus here, this leprous man, not only did he, was he moved with compassion and had a sympathy and an empathy and had a feeling and emotional attachment to this leper, but he stretched out his hand and he touched him. He did something about it. He healed him. And may I say this morning, may our compassion, 
move us to action. That was Jesus. That was Jesus. May we not be verbal sympathizers without being tangible partners. May we not say, man, I really care about this. I really care about this thing. Man, man, I tell you what, I'll be praying for you, brother. No, if you care, when there's opportunities presented, you ought to be the first one to do. You ought to be the first one to do. He was moved to action. His immediate response was compassion moving into action this morning. Reminds me of what Jesus did on the cross. His compassion, as he loved the sinner, the compassion, as he knew that he was the only sacrifice for the sin, his action on display in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul writes, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, the gospel is the classic illustration of compassion moving Jesus to action. First response today absolutely should be compassion. But compassion left alone won't do us much good. It might help us. That's kind of selfish, right? We may feel compassion and we may feel better about ourselves by having compassion, but we've not actually helped the situation. Look at Mark chapter 6. Let's turn back to Mark chapter 6. Just one more quick illustration from, from our, our text, our book that we're studying through. Mark chapter 6 and verse 39, he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So he began teaching them in the verses prior, and now he says, sit them down in the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked at the heaven, he blessed and broke the loaves, and he gave them to his disciples to set before him. <clears throat> and the two fish he divided among them all, so they all ate and they all were filled. Jesus did something about the need. Jesus was the need meter. The need meter. Thirdly and finally this morning, We've seen the first response, move with compassion, move to action. But thirdly, he's moved to humble service. Give me my water. <coughs> I'm sorry, guys. Just go and get it over with. There we go. All better. <clears throat> he was moved to humble service. <clears throat> Look at Mark chapter 10. This is where we would be in the next couple of weeks. So look, look at Mark chapter 10. In verse 42. Mark chapter 10. In verse 42, he's moved to humble service. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, You know 
that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to serve. Back in the previous chapter, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. You see, Jesus practiced and preached service. Service. Humble service. Look at Philippians chapter 2. What did Paul say about him? A very important text. In Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So this is Jesus we're speaking of. Who Jesus, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He knew who he was. But he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men. You see, Jesus held the highest position that any human being could ever hold. And that is the position of deity. That is the position of the creator, God of the universe. The Lord of the universe, the King of kings. The Son of God. And yet his entire earthly ministry was marked by humility and service. Think of how he came. You would think the king of kings would come in a different manner, right? He came humbly. He was born in a barn, sort of, if you want to call it that. He was raised in, oh, certainly if he's the king of kings, then he will be raised in royalty and he will go to the best schools and he will have the finest of education and he will work his way through the government to be the king of this land. No, he was a blue-collar worker. He was a carpenter. I could build you, he could build you an incredible uh, farmhouse table for your, that's in the Greek somewhere, I'm sure. But, uh, he was before his time. You guys didn't know. He did that school. It was like Middle Eastern farmhouse chic. That was his, uh, that was his style. <clears throat> but his entire ministry was marked by humility and by service. God, if it, would you remove this cup from me? I don't want to have to go through this. I don't want to have to die. Nevertheless, not my will, God, but your will be done. I'll humbly give myself over to those soldiers. I'll humbly take the verbal abuse. I'll humbly 
take the physical abuse. So much physical abuse that he was unrecognizable. I'll take the humility of being stripped naked and put on a cross between two criminals. His ministry in life was marked by servitude. As the disciples entered the house, Jesus knelt and washed the feet of his disciples, even Judas. As he knew that Judas would betray him, he still fed him. First response, humble service. Jesus' first response this morning, compassion, action, service. Compassion, action, and service. Our brave men and women who serve our communities have these elements, compassion, action, and service. Some probably have some of them better than others. We see these perfectly embodied in Jesus this morning. May I close with this? First responders... They respond to a need. And this morning, if you're here today, you may have other needs. You may have financial needs today. You may have um, some practical needs in your life. But if your greatest need is to be reconciled to your creator, God, if your greatest need is salvation this morning, And I'm glad that the first responder is Jesus. May I say that he has compassion on you? That he knows your sin. In fact, he knows your sin better than you know your sin. And he's moved with compassion for you. Moved so much that he would go to a cross. Knowing that he had never sinned, <coughs> knowing that he did not deserve this punishment, but he willfully, willingly took it upon himself. And as he hung on that cross, he became your sin and my sin. I've said this before think about the worst sin that you could think of. I don't know what that is. It might be different for different people. It might be the same. Think about the worst possible sin that could be committed. We'll talk about one of them next week. Jesus became that on the cross. I'd often wondered why Scripture told us that God had to turn away. It wasn't until I connected those dots as Jesus became the sin of the world, his son. He 
couldn't look upon it. The wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. There's a lot there that I, I can't even get into today. I'm just trying to paint the picture for you. That if you have a need and your need is Jesus, he's met your need. He's met your need. He's moved with compassion for you. He loves you. He cares for you. So much that he died for you. He didn't die and stay there. He's not a powerless savior. No, he died. And today we could hop on a plane right now. And we could, just a few hours from now, land in the Holy Land. And we could hop in. I don't know if they have Uber over there. I'm sure they do. Hop into whatever they have for Uber and say, hey, listen, could you take me to the place where Jesus rose from the dead? And guess what? Every single tour guide, every single person over there could say, absolutely. They might not even be a believer in Jesus. But they could take you to the place where he rose from the dead. You see, he rose in power. Over sin, over death, over hell. He rose in victory for you and for me so that we can live in victory. We don't have to live a defeated life. We don't have to live a life buried in our sin. No, we can rise with him. We can rise in victory. And that sanctification we sang about, man, we can rise in victory as he sanctifies us and he, he begins to remove those, the power of sin in our lives. He did that for you. Today I ask you if Jesus would respond to your need, would you respond to him? He responded. He showed you everything you needed to see when he stretched out his arms and he died. He showed you everything you needed to see when he rose from the dead. And I ask you this morning if you've never responded to the first responder. Could today be that day? You say, how do I respond to Jesus? What do you mean? <clears throat> Staying in the book of Mark, chapter 1. Jesus came. You know, what he was, you know what he was preaching? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. We try to make it more difficult than that. Man, we are so good at that. We try to make it more difficult. Repent and believe. Repent. Change your mind, Yes of how you thought you were going to be reconciled to your creator. Change your mind of how you thought you were going to come to this salvation experience. Change your mind, change your heart, change your actions, change, change everything and focus upon Jesus. Believe. Trust. Step out. Not just a head knowledge before the devils believe and they tremble. No, it's a, it's a response. It's believing in faith. It's surrendering. This morning, would you respond to the first responder? Heavenly Father. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.